Welcome to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases. Of moida, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. We did a lot of debunking on the last episode. We did. A lot. <laughs> we did a lot. We're going to do some now, too. I'm real excited. <gasps> oh, you know that Kim yes. loves nothing better. You know, I do love when I can't debunk something because I do love to, to actually think something is real, but I get a perverse pleasure out of debunking things. So Kim is going to get a perverse pleasure out Ooh. of this episode today. Gabby, um, talk dirty to me. All I have to do is talk about ghost ships. <gasps> AKA when I told my mother today that we were recording, she goes, ghost shit? You're talking about ghost shit? It's pronounced ectoplasm. And then I was like, is that like an SPD, like silent but deadly? <laughs> but See, and I heard STD and I'm like, what kind of oh, STDs no. do ghosts get? What is, what is that? And that's a rabbit hole we won't go down. But um, we should one day. One day. One day. That's going to be a Patreon episode <laughs> on STDs you get as a ghost. And then we can reference that one wonderful episode that pissed a bunch of people off when we recorded about a woman who had Ooh, sex with the ghost for that. Valentine's Day 2019. That was, I was going to say, those were the early years. We've evolved. Wait, was that 2020? That was 2020. It was 2020, it? but you Shoot, realize that was now year two years ago. <laughs> I don't know what year it is anymore. Because it was February, so it would have been, <laughs> yeah. been two years ago. I mean, that was, again, some of our oh, early episodes. that was pre-pandemic. That was right before yeah. the pandemic hit. That's why I thought it was 2019. Anyway. I've, I've listened to a couple of our early episodes and been like, oh. why did we do that? <laughs> and anytime Painful. a new person is talking to me, they're like, oh, no, I'm really loving your podcast. I'm like, you know what? There's some episodes you can probably skip. <laughs> But to be fair, it is an experience. So it's an choose your own adventure. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. We're but fine. anyway, fine. today's episode is a new type of topic. So uh, I'm going to start us off with a quote. Okay, quote me. There has never been a clear consensus on any one scenario. It is a mystery that has tormented countless people, including the families of the lost sailors and hundreds of others who have tried in vain to solve the riddle. The ghost ship may be the best example of the old proverb that the sea never gives up its secrets. End quote. From Brian Hicks. Can I, can I say one thing? Yes. That if you do listen to that quote and think that you're saying ghost shit. It's even better. It's even better. <laughs> So um, this is going to be a topic where you can choose your own adventure to change Ooh. the word ship into shit for an experience. <laughs> for an experience. We, we might record that episode or record the Patreon. word <laughs> shit for our Patreon that you can just superimpose over every time we say ship. And then sometimes we have a topic that we can play a game called uh, Kim Has Questions. <gasps> Oh, I have questions. And we find that many of our episodes resulted a Kim has questions game. Kim has and a lot of questions. <laughs> Kim often asks a lot of questions. I ask and a you lot know what? Of questions. That's why she is our resident scully. It is. So 
Resident Scully, Mm -hmm. Kim is going to ask a lot of questions during this episode. So just be prepared for the Kim has questions moments. I'm excited. We'll come along. Okay. This particular topic is not just any ghost ship. This topic is the Mary Celeste. Oh, yay. Mary Celeste has been on our list for a while. She has. um, And... I think I doubted her weirdness and just unsolved mysteriousness Mm -hmm. uh, for a while until Mm -hmm. I did this deep dive. But it is a mysterious tale. It's weird. It's It's a weird one. Weird, yeah. So just to give a quick synopsis for those of you who don't know about the Mary Celeste, the Mary Celeste was a ship that was found alone in the middle of the ocean without a crew, without a captain, without a person on board, yet it was fully stocked with supplies and just hanging out in the middle of nowhere and found by another ship, and they had no idea what happened. So through the decades, there's actually been a lack of hard facts, which what do we base our episodes on? Uh, I think it's facts. facts. Is it facts? It's usually you know hard what? It's ones. not just facts. Oh, everything's hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, she did. I heard we her. base it on evidence. Evidence. Which are also hard facts. They, uh, and a t shirt uh, that says that's hard facts. Evidence. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so there hasn't been many hard facts um, with this topic, which makes it an interesting one. There's, it's led to a lot of speculation as to what might have actually taken place, Mm -hmm. which leaves us with the question of what happened? What happened? It's bizarre. Like, this is one I will say, full disclosure, um, I've read a lot about it. I listened to a lot of podcast episodes about this. It's bonkers. It is full on bonkers. But some of the leaps people start to make. Ooh, it's real fun. It's real fun. So I'm really excited to to hear what you're going to be bringing at us, Gabby. Yeah, and you know, as per usual, Kim, if there's something I'm not telling you and you know about something that I'm not covering, please chime in. So I want to start first with a bit of history, a bit of hard facts. We love love a historical moment. Hard facts. Hard facts. Hard Uh, The Mary Celeste was built at Spencer's Island in the Bay of Fundy. What a name. Like Bundy, but with an F? It's more fun than Bundy. It's Fundy. It's Fundy. <laughs> I would and buy a, whatever product that's selling. That's delightful. Fundy. Maybe it's selling the Mary Celeste. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, but it was in Nova Scotia. In Nova 18- Scotia. I love Nova Scotia. 60. 1860. 1860. Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. That's not real. Nova Scotia. Nope. Oh, God. Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. So Joshua Dewis. Also, this episode is going to be full of Kim's favorite names. It's a great name. Uh, actually owned the space where Mary Celeste was built. And on June 10th, 1861, it was registered at Parsboro as a brigantine rigged ship mm-hmm. called the Amazon. So its original name was actually the Amazon, not the Mary Celeste. So for those of you who don't know what a brigantine is, because I did a lot of research with this and was like, huh, can we figure out what these names are? Uh, (laughs) I will do you a solid and give you some definitions. So a brigantine is um, a ship that's got two masts 
and a hole built entirely uh, in this particular case out of Canadian lumber. So specifically Canadian lumber. This particular ship. Oh, okay. That's not like Canadian part lumber. of the definition that has no, to be Canadian. Not for brigantine. I was like, it's damn. Like a, two, a two mast ship is a brigantine. Okay. This particular one was built out of Canadian lumber, which makes, makes sense, sense if it was from our friend Nova Scotia. I love Nova Scotia. So specifically, the the types of lumber it was built out of were beech, spruce, maple, and birchwoods. The cabins were lined with pine woods. Ooh, it was pine. a nice plethora of the woods, if you will. I know you like a good wood. I love a good wood. Uh, and it was built with only one deck. So oh, that's interesting. Not a super massive boat. One no. deck. Not, not, not a lot of wood, just like a smaller amount of wood. A wider variety of wider, woods. A wider variety of wood, but still, it's, it's not the size of the wood. That counts? It's the fact that it's a hard fact. It's a hard fact. <laughs> With many woods. Many woods. Um, we can't do anything seriously. It's really <laughs> a good time. Our listeners are going to be so happy for this episode. <laughs> now, let's talk about how big this wood was. I love talking uh, about big wood. <laughs> it was about 100 feet long. And that's, it's... That's, that's long wood. Its girth was... Um, 25.5 feet wide Whew. and 12 Girthy. feet deep. Come on, Gab, you're killing me. <laughs> and it weighed 198 tons. Oh, my God. That's a big boy. That's a, that's a big boy. <laughs> but she's a girl, so oh, hey. Oh, she's a big girl. She's a big girl. And Good she was her. first launched on May 18th, 1861. Okay. Wow. That took us a really long time to describe what she was made of. I apologize. <laughs> slash, we're you're getting, welcome. We're getting all the wood jokes out of our system. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the best part about this is that there's a dude who was the ship's second mate for about two years, and he was named George Spicer, who oh I will God, now that's call. Amazing. Spicy boy. He's a spicy boy. He's a spicy boy. Um, this is going to be a three-hour-long episode if we keep yep. making these jokes. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> It'll be a good time. So let's talk about her maiden voyage. In early June 1861, Robert McClellan was a member of the company who owned the ship, mm-hmm. uh, and it was destined to go to London with a load of timber with all that wood. It's a big uh, load of wood. Apparently, it didn't get very far before Captain McClellan actually got super sick and had to go home, oh, and no. then he died. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, this, this first maiden, maiden voyage and your captain dies, that's not the best of uh, luck. And no. people were definitely a little bit superstitious at this point in time. Well, because I was going to, I mean, this is, this is fairly factual. Um. Uh, seafaring people, sailors, are very superstitious, like more so yeah. than sports fans. Which says a lot. Which says a lot because sports fans are fucking nuts. So a lot of these people were like, this ship is cursed. Yeah. Right? May as well put a woman on board. Well, they didn't put a woman on board. They did put Captain John Parker on board. Okay. And he was the new captain to take over the journey with the London timber. Uh, And unfortunately, Parker wasn't so lucky either. Oh, no. Um, What happened? 
Before the ship could even leave North American waters, it hit a bundle of fishing equipment off the coast of Maine. And it stalled them for a few days before they could get to London. So it was just like, are you kidding me? Just like one thing after another. But nobody died in this one, which is good. Well, that's something. But I mean, I will say again, we've talked about this with the curse episode with the movies. Mm -hmm. I have never been convinced by a movie curse, but continual bad luck with like a ship. That's a little different. That for I don't know why I feel very differently about that, but I do. Yeah, I mean, I do, too. And I think it's all the superstition that you're talking about, too. It might be. It kind of leaks out Mm -hmm. into you. For sure. That's what she said. Um, (laughs) So, you know, they end up... (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So they end up making it to London. Finally, they did it. And then they, air quotes, accidentally ran into an English brig, which is another little ship, uh, in the Strait of Dover, and they sank mm. it. They, like, <laughs> made this boat sink. Oh, good Lord. Fortunately, the crew on that ship were rescued uh, by the Amazon, the ship that crashed into it. Uh, and the Amazon promptly fixed their damages. They got a little bruised up in the process, and he kept the trucking down to the uh, American coast. Okay. In November 1861, the Amazon traveled to France, where it was then painted by an unknown French artist. And this is actually, fun fact, the only known contemporary depiction of the ship. Oh, really? So it's the only one. And it was painted in November 1861. Fun facts. In 1863, William Thompson took over as captain, and the Amazon was super badly damaged after a storm again not the best of luck no it was and it ended up being left on the rocks uh, of the shore of cape breton island which was off the coast Hmm. of north america okay um and kim's favorite names alexander mcbean oh that okay that's an amazing name he then purchased uh uh-huh mcbean then purchased the wreckage And requested legal ownership on October 14th, 1867. Sidebar, I really want to picture him as Mr. Bean. I I was going to make a Mr. Bean joke, honestly. (laughs) Really just want to picture him as a captain. Um, So Mr. McBean turned it around and sold it to American Richard W. Haynes of New York for $1,750. Haynes then went bonkers, and he spent $9,000 restoring this ship. And then he registered it in New York under the name Mary Celeste. Thus, Mary Celeste was born, but unfortunately, in 1869, the ship was seized for payments of debts because this guy invested too much money and could not pay for it, and then sold to a group of businessmen led by none other than James Winchester. Sidebar, I have no idea if there is relation of James Winchester to Sarah Winchester, which I knew you were going to say, so there you go. Uh, And Kim is going to start, like, looking some things up as we continue, so if I find anything out, I will report back. Hell yeah, dude. Let's do it. So uh, Winchester then spent $10,000 revamping and enlarging the ship, made it a little bit bigger because, you know, wood wasn't big enough. (laughs) Then uh, the group of businessmen sold their shares of their ship to Benjamin Spooner Briggs, Kim's favorite name, Uh uh, who ended up being the new captain. So Briggs 
remember his name. He is Captain Briggs. At this time, he was in his late 30s. His wife was named Sarah, and they had two children. They had seven-year-old Arthur and two-year-old Sophia. Mm. Cute little family. Mm -hmm. Briggs wrote to his mother, and they talked a lot about the family. His wife wrote to her. There were a bunch of letters. I actually have this reference that I'll put in our uh, show notes of a lot of the um, journals, letters, Everything that was salvaged from people having conversations at this time that I'm going to reference throughout this, which is pretty cool because it's like hard facts, right? <laughs> that we like. We love uh, hard. We love, we love hard, hard facts. Facts. Hard facts. Hard. Um, so with this, there was a letter that he wrote to his mother talking about the family's final destination of Genoa. So this trip to Genoa was the last time that anyone would see Briggs and his family. Now, he left New York on November 7th, 1872, with his wife, mm -hmm. his two kids, and a small hand-picked crew of six. He had his first mate, Albert Richardson, who he was familiar with. He had sailed with him before, and he trusted mm -hmm. him. Sure. Then he had second mate, Andrew Gillink. He had Edward he Heed, or Head, choose your own adventure uh, I, know as which, I know which adventure i'm choosing hell yeah uh, especially with all that wood and then <laughs> uh the brothers volkert there were two brothers volkert and boz lorenzen uh that were they were german and oh i am gonna mispronounce this name gottlieb gutschad what g-o-t-t L-I-E-B. Gottlieb? Gottlieb? Oh, how interesting. Gudshad. G-O-O-D-S-C-H-A-A-D. Hmm. And Adrian Martins. And that was his crew. All those people. Hmm. And this was the last time anybody would ever see any of these people. Or hear from them ever again. So, a few weeks after the ship had departed on Wednesday... December 4th, 1872, Mary Celeste was found floating in open water, halfway between Portugal and the Azores. Mm. She was found by the British de Gracia, mm -hmm. about 400 miles east of the Azores. Captain David Morehouse was, he actually claimed to be the first person to see the Mary Celeste. Mm -hmm. Apparently there's allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, there's a first cap or first mate that also claimed to see Mary Celeste first, but like, who's got the bigger dick? I don't care. Someone saw the Mary Celeste. Someone, someone. It was a man. They saw the Mary Celeste. Let's That's move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so apparently Captain Morehouse noticed something was wrong. It didn't seem right. And so they sailed up to the Mary Celeste to investigate. Now, he actually knew about the Mary Celeste. He knew that it had just left New York City eight days before him and should have already arrived in Genoa, Italy at this point in time. So he thought it was really strange that he found it in the middle of the ocean. In his um, log, he actually said, quote, she was under very short canvas, steering very wild and evidently in distress, end quote. After sending a couple of his men on board the Mary Celeste to investigate, uh, including Oliver DeVoe, they came back reporting that there was nobody on board and that the ship was under about three and a half feet of water. Mm -hmm. 
The weather apparently had been a bit stormy, and the sea was running high at the time. The masts and sails of the Mary Celeste had suffered some damage, nothing too wild, but a little bit of damage. But the rest of the ship seemed to be intact, other than the ship's charts, which had been kind of tossed about. Sure. So DeVoe noted that everything was actually left behind in the ship. So the crewmen's belongings were still in their quarters. The beds were all still made. The captain's charts and books, while they were strewn about a bit, they were still in his cabin. Sure. And the captain's log was still there, as well as indicators that a child and a woman were aboard. There was even an imprint of a child's body in the bed. Ooh. Which is really creepy. Yeah. But it actually indicated that everything was left in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, no, it that, seems that's yeah, kind of suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing to note is that the ship's only lifeboat was missing. One of its two pumps had been disassembled. Okay, and one thousand seven hundred and one barrels of industrial alcohol were largely intact, except that nine of those barrels were empty. Which What's is interesting. interesting. No, that's weird. It's well, weird. It is, but then there's this. So the nine that were missing Mm -hmm. were recorded as being made of red oak, not white oak. So all of the other barrels were made out of white oak. Is there, because full disclosure, like I know a little bit about the different kinds of woods, but is there, is (laughs) that's what this topic is about. We're just talking about all kinds of woods. (laughs) I mean, I mean that in a non-dirty way, Uh, (laughs) like... No, 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 because like I'm I, I play percussion, right? So I mm-hmm. there are certain instruments that the different kinds of wood affect the sound. For Most sure. of my knowledge of the different woods is more around that. Is there a significant difference in terms of storage? There's a difference in the porousness of the wood. Oh, which if you're if you have alcohol or any kind of liquid in that that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Okay, okay. So yes. red oak is mm-hmm. known to be more porous. Mm-hmm. And more likely to leak than white oak. Interesting. So. Okay. Debunked. Uh, potentially. Yeah. Just no, remember no, no. That. that. That's significant, though. That's really significant. Yeah. So the other thing that they all noticed was that the ship also housed about six months' supply of food and water. Okay. Which seems strange, because who would leave all that, right? Uh, that is odd to, if you left it to me, that implies you left in a hurry. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which then supports what they thought to begin with. Mm-hmm. So there was a log and they decided to read the log. So the okay. log identified that they had made it to the island of St. Mary on November 25th with its last entry recorded at 5 a.m. that day. However, asterisk, there's a couple of different hiccups in this information that I found. Some say 5 a.m., some say 8 a.m., some say the 24th, most say the 25th. There's some, like, blurry gray areas to the details of this in the different sources that I read. Mm -hmm. So there was another log aboard that only marked up to November 24th, which meant that the crew had been gone for less than 10 days. So they could at least deduct Mm. or deduce that they had been gone probably over a week, but less than 10 days. Okay. Okay. So DeVoe, Oliver DeVoe, who was exploring the Mary Celeste, ended Mm -hmm. up taking the food and water to his ship. Obviously, no one there was going to be using it, so they thought they could use it. So he took the food and water. It was still good. And what's interesting to note is that some accounts do mention 
and some don't mention the presence of alcohol. So mm-hmm. I think the presence of alcohol is like a pretty significant thing because it could be a piece of evidence. 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 And what's also interesting to note is that Briggs was a fun word for you. Teetotaler. Oh, do, yeah. Do you know what that is? I've never heard that word before. To, like, I did this research. Really? I, I swear to God, I was so excited because, to read it. Well, that's fascinating to me because you are. I am a teetotaler. So that's, I, I'm shocked you'd never heard the expression before. No, but I love it. I'm going to claim myself as a teetotaler from you this day. You are a teetotaler. I love, yes. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Which, for those of you who don't know what right, a teetotaler is. I was like, is, should we explain let's that? Let's just tell people, shall we? Yes. Uh, it just means someone who doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah. It's why Gabby and I work because I drink all of her alcohol. (laughs) Also, I encourage Kim. So it's a very supportive relationship. Y'all don't see the video portion of our recordings (laughs) because you would just see her being like, drink more, drink more, girl. Just keep pouring it. Pour it down your throat. Where's your wine? Where's your whiskey, girl? Girl, where's your whiskey? Where's Where's your your wine? Just if it begins with W, pour it down your throat. That's what she said. Um, So, you know. Kim is not a teetotaler, moral I, of the story. To the shock of probably no one. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but Briggs, Briggs was a teetotaler, and he looked down upon people who drank. It was a very big deal for him. It, well, um, it was fairly, there was a point in time where it was a little bit fashionable, too. Yeah, To, to be true. a teetotaler. Like, uh, mostly in the 1800s and then a little bit around Prohibition, except not. Uh, anyway. So, prime time for this time. Prime time, prime time, Yes. So, I mean, it's interesting because certain accounts say that there was alcohol, certain accounts say that there wasn't. I'm pretty, I personally think that there was just based on the majority of the more reliable sources. Sure. Um, but just wanted to throw that out there. Well, because also, I mean, alcohol is not purely for drinking because there's right. alcohol you should not drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this was industrial level alcohol. Yeah, this is not alcohol. Ethanol is not, if you are drinking ethanol, you're dead. You're you're not here. You're a ghost you're right now for it. listening to our podcast, in which case, welcome. Please tell us your stories. So dumb. I love that you just did that. That made my day. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so, okay. Also, now when you think of alcohol, mm-hmm. you think of, besides the fact of a good time, explosions. It's an explosive thing, right? Like sure. I would automatically be I like, like that okay. that's right where your, your mind went. But yeah, sure. Explosion. That's what I think of when I think of alcohol. It's on not. On a ship, on a but, boat. On anything, sure. I don't know, gasoline makes me think of that. I think I think of more poor decision making, but like, yes, sure. Let's go with explosions. Choose your own adventure. Again. Choose your own adventure. But what's interesting here is that like they looked around the ship for damage from a fire or smoke. Sure. Yeah, because no, no, that's legit. Alcohol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was which no burns. evidence. Which evidence. burns. Right. Mm-hmm. Evidence. Yes. There was only water damage. And so things that were also interesting was that everything was left untouched in all of the quarters. So like things that if, you know, someone actually had a minute to grab something, they would have grabbed, for example, pipes. Yeah. The guys wouldn't leave their pipes behind, indicating that you left in a hurry. Otherwise, you would have taken your pipe. Otherwise, you would have taken your pipe. Yeah. And the other things that were missing were the chronometer, the sextant, and the navigation book. The oh. navigation book to me is a huge indicator that you got on another boat. Yeah, to I try was going to say get somewhere because that's the kind of thing. If that if 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 you need to leave in a hurry, there's still some things you are going to need if you are evacuating, and a way to navigate is a exactly. huge one. Mm-hmm. 
No, because other- because you're dead otherwise. You're dead. If you leave and you get on a smaller boat and you don't know where you are, you are dead if you can't navigate. A hundred percent. Or if yeah. you can't eat. Or if you can't I mean, eat, yes. A couple, couple factors. But right. another thing that was missing was the ship's register and paperwork. So that's also an interesting thing to grab. So that just is. store that away in your I'm brain. pressing save on that. Okay. DeVoe also noticed that as... You know, he tried to think of some reasons why people would leave the boat. So had the ship capsized, stuff would be knocked over. Things would be askew. It would be all over Absolutely, yeah. But they weren't. Everything was pretty much in order. So Mm. even if they had hit rough waters prior to to anything happening, they would have had enough time to put stuff back. Sure. And there was a sounding rod that was discarded on the deck that indicated that the vessel had been sounded at the time of or immediately after what caused the abandonment, which is also interesting. And DuVoe said, quote, the only explanation of the abandonment which I can give is that there was a panic from the belief that the vessel had more water in her than she had as afterwards proved. (sighs) Mm, Okay. Meaning they thought it was going to sink, so they had to get off the boat. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Now there's some conflicting information. Mm Mm-hmm. As there always is. Of what course. about the lifeboat, actually? Uh, in one account, it actually said that they didn't know if there was a lifeboat or not, that there wasn't enough evidence to say whether or not there was a lifeboat. Okay. And then other um, sources said, yes, there was a lifeboat. Also, like, where would they have gone with all this navigation stuff if they didn't have a lifeboat? So that's something to ponder and think about. Hmm. The other thing is the weather. Some uh, sources say that the weather was calm mm-hmm. and fine. And other sources say that they had just had uh, heavy weather for two weeks prior to this happening, which would also impact the condition of the boat and everything floating around in it. So just throwing that out there. Well, and and because uh, the waters in which it disappeared in. Yes. I'm just thinking about, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, March 15th. And mm-hmm. my friends, my fellow friends in Washington State will have experienced the weather we've had today, which let me let me take a moment to explain to you the weather in which I lived through today. Oh, no. It was beautifully sunny. And then suddenly uh, the rain started. OK, let's go inside. The rain is starting. And then I'm not kidding. It was like a switch was flicked and obscene hail. Oh, my God. Rained. Da- I mean, like to the point where you stopped to look because the noise was so severe and then sunny and then it was windy and then it was raining again and then it was sunny again i mean like it was seattle it was yeah but but there there are any point you're you were in a certain part of of the world and we are right along that line where our weather is like blinking it changes yep Hold on to that. Okay. I'm, we're going to come back to that later. All right. All right. When we're going to talk about more evidence. Evidence. Good point, though. Thanks for bringing it up. I, I, it's, today was such a perfect example Love of what that. a shit show weather can be, where it is sunny, hailing, windy, and dumping rain all at the same time. Also, global warming is a thing, guys. There's yeah, that. but that's also just Seattle. Seattle's always been like this, where we're like, you don't like the weather? Wait 10 minutes. You might like it then. Also, you just always like have then. a hood. You know, always you never know what you need. Layers. It. We love layers. We, we don't like layer umbrellas, moment. but we love layers. It'll give you away as not a resident, even mm. though I am a resident and I still use an umbrella. Uh, anywho, DeVoe 
let's talk, go back to him for a second. Okay. He ended up taking a few men with him onto the Mary Celeste and then ended up sailing her to Gibraltar, um, where the DeGrazia was waiting for them. So that way they could take the ship with them and figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. So as soon as the DeGrazia arrived in Gibraltar, Morehouse sent news of the Mary Celeste discovery to the Atlantic Mutual Insurance Company to determine whether the salvagers, in this case, the DeGrazia crewmen, Mm -hmm. uh, were entitled to payment from the ship's insurers because they brought this ship back. They found it. Sure. More of Kim's favorite names. Sir James Cochran. Ooh, the Chief that's Justice a good name. Of Gibraltar. Called proceedings for a salvage hearing on December 17th, 1872. Mm-hmm. Attorney General of Gibraltar, Frederick Solly Flood. What a freaking name. <laughs> that's amazing. Was the chief investigator on mm-hmm. behalf of the crown. So remember his name because he did a lot of investigating on this. And he was a great scully, if you will. I love a good scully. We all love a good scully. They ordered an inspection of the ship and had a diver actually go underneath the ship and inspect the hole of the ship below the waterline to see if there was any damage and what it looked like. Oh. They, like, went hard on it. Um <laughs> John Austin executed an inspection for the court as well, and he actually came to some conclusions. So let's talk conclusions with the court. Let's. First one was that the ship couldn't have come into contact with bad weather. Why, you may ask. I do. There was a small vial of oil for a sewing machine. (laughs) So specific. Uh, In its proper place, in its proper perpendicular position... Which would have been thrown down or carried away in a storm if a storm had hit. Like, easy peasy. Oh, okay. Okay, Apparently. No, 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 that's fair. Is, that's fair. I get that, yeah. Is that legit, Kim? That's, that's yes, no, 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 no. That, I, that, that is 100% legit. I understand exactly what they're saying there, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I will scully that a little bit and say mm-hmm. they could have hit a little tiny bit of bad weather and it's could have not necessarily like messed up the boat. It couldn't have been like a hurricane. Maybe they just had a tiny storm. Who knows? I don't know. That's just I me mean, scully in the scully. What, what I would say is if, if it's enough to be concerned about, it would have been disrupted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if it's a tiny little thing. Yeah, no, you're right. I'll can uh, like, this one. I, I just I I mean not to scully or scully of scully, but <laughs> inception um what they are speaking to in order for it to like even a tiny amount of weather then that's not a thing that you're actually worried about that's 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 like when you're on the ferry one day and the waters are a little rough it's like this is not me like having my best day of my life because i get seasick but it's nothing's going to capsize. Nothing's going to be disrupted because it's a little wind. It's a little rough waters, but that's not the same thing as, as a danger. It's turbulence on an airplane. That's a good example. I like Turb- I was like, I'm I shouldn't be sticking with water turbulence on an airplane. You don't get worried till the flight attendants look worried. <laughs> Always look at your flight attendants, friends. Yeah. Or, or don't, if you're somebody who has a lot of anxiety, <laughs> in which case don't watch them. Don't because look at anybody. If they look scared, you're fucked. Travel you're, tips from you're welcome. Kim and Gabby <laughs> on air or by sea. Uh, so anyway, the ship was also in good shape. 
Uh, it, no amount of water yeah. it took on would have caused it to go down. Uh, yeah. It yeah, was no, able no. to be sailed all the way back to Gibraltar just fine with three and a half feet of water in it. Which so, is very telling. Right. So why would you abandon a ship that you could still sail? So that's kind of weird. It, to me, it implies... A fast event. A fast event. Um, it implies something happening very quickly. Yeah. Which is, not a, which is not a storm. And apparently this dude was, quote, unable to discover any reason, what, whatever, why the said vessel should have been abandoned. That was stated in the court. Mm, okay. Now, one thing he also discovered hinted at foul play. A sword was found on board that looked like it was smeared with blood and then wiped off. Follow-up question. Yes. Because I have questions. Kim has questions. I told you she'd have questions. questions. Um, Does the sword still exist? Do not know. That's a great question. Because what I would love to know, if the sword still exists, has anyone actually tested said sword for DNA remnants of blood? Unknown. Unknown. However, hashtag shady shit. Uh, Hashtag shady. I'm I'm asking because was it written in the initial accounts uh, from those that found the ship that it was covered in blood or is that something this was something that was reported by someone who investigated the ship when they first went aboard it in gibraltar when it got there because sometimes things get there were other people on the ship since that happened sure so there's that too right so just take this with a grain of salt but also remember it it, right so dr j patron examined Uh the alleged blood and boarded the ship to see if he could find any evidence of blood aboard quote some red brown spots about okay. a millimeter thick and half an inch in diameter with a dull aspect were found on deck and in forepart of the vessel, end quote. And similar spots were also found on a variety of other parts of the ship. Now, a different quote unquote expert said that the stains on the deck and on the sword were not blood. But Flood believed that foul play mm. had happened. That's also, I mean, even if it is... Blood? That's a very tiny amount of blood. But they considered it, which is interesting. But like, I mean, like I, like I, I sliced my hand earlier on some tinfoil, and I probably bled as much as what they are recounting. So a uh, blood could also just be a, a ca- casual accident. You're, you're on a ship, like you know how many different ways there are to cut yourself on a ship. Scully's gonna Scully. That's why we're here. Well, that's not like life-ending no. blood that's i've cut my hand on again the million different ways there are on a boat to cut your hand or cut part of you or to have a bloody nose because you get hit in the face yeah blood. That's, that's an not, inconsequential amount of it's blood inconsequential. It like i don't even i don't think play. you can yeah no that that that's like uh, trying to point to that as evidence 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 if that's the only amount of blood there is, I, like, I, I, I work with children. Do you know how often I see that amount of blood on the playgrounds? Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. What are you causing? I'm just kidding. Jokes. Dude. Um, but we do improv and they have more blood. Like, that's that's not that's not that's not evidence. That's natural. 
Okay, take that with a grain of salt or with more than a grain of salt or a drop of blood or whatever you want to take it with. Scully's got a scully. And that's why we're here. Um, Now, after the testimony from DeVoe and the others on board, the court remained inconclusive. um, And then it opened up the door to all kinds of speculation. And everybody wanted a piece of the pie. I want a piece of that pie. Enter high school drama amongst adult men. (gasps) Wow. What else is new? Nothing else has changed. I mean, adult men are paragons of maturity. <laughs> right? Um, I said that almost with a full straight face. Almost. Almost doesn't count. I, did, I didn't make it there. The shipping and commercial list reported on December 21st and 25th that there was no evidence that the Mary Celeste had been run into or encountered bad weather, but there definitely was foul play, potentially at the fault of the alcohol that was being transported. Now, this is where things start to stretch. On January 22nd, 1873, Flood filed a report stating that the crew got wasted, murdered Briggs and his wife, child, and the chief mate, then damaged the bows of the vessel to make it look like there was an accident. Now I have notes. Kim has questions. Kim um, has questions. Then our friend James Winchester shows up in Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. Attempting to claim his cargo. But Flood wanted Winchester to pay $15,000 as bond. Winchester was not so stoked to hear this and then complained. So Flood, again, high school drama. Flood then accuses Winchester of having Briggs, his family, and his men murdered. Shortly thereafter, though, there was no evidence to support this whatsoever. He was very easily proved wrong. Accusations were dismissed, and Flood ended up giving the Mary Celeste to Winchester on February 25th, 1873. Drama. Drama-rama. 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 Drama-rama ding-dong. So... On April 8th, 1873, Morehouse and his crew, they were the ones who found the Mary Celeste for a friendly reminder. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were rewarded 1 million, 1.7 million pounds, about 20% of the total value of the ship and its cargo, which was significantly less than they thought they were going to get, which sure. rightfully pissed them off. But no one could really do much about it. And this actually... People say, they say, whoever they is, that this suggests that the authorities were not entirely convinced that the DeGrazia's crew was innocent and didn't do something to try to get insurance money because they were unhappy with the amount that they received. So there is speculation that the DeGrazia murdered the people on board, said that they found this ship empty and brought it in and just wanted to capitalize on the money of it. Sure. But there was nothing to prove that, and eh, it was just kind of a hearsay situation. So after that happened, the Mary Celeste then sailed off to Genoa with a new captain, George Blatchford. What a name. Uh, Amazing name. Blatchford. Just a month after this. So he goes off back to Genoa. I'm not going to get into, like, how the Mary Celeste ended up and all that jazz. We're focused on how... The crew disappeared. What happened to them? Why did it happen? Right? Mm -hmm. So, rumors. The game of telephone. It's a fun thing we experience in historical references. 
they continue to spread about what happened to the crew, even though the case was adjudicated. Sure. One of the things people thought it was? Pirates. I mean, sure. No, I, I, so, yeah. The New York Times even published a report on it. Uh, And this is where it starts to get sticky, because it's one thing if people are talking about it. It's another thing if there's an article by a, like, renowned source being published about it. Yeah. So the New York Times published a report on February 27th, 1873 on it. And in this article, they stated that the crew was mutinied and murdered, the captain and his family. And it also stated that the cabin was in a disordered condition and had evidently been ransacked when the initial report never stated this. I have questions. Questions? Well, no, I mean... I don't know if people know this. Murdering someone means there's going to be some blood around unless you're dumping them directly overboard. Which is a potential, though. They could have thrown people overboard. Sure, but if you're throwing people directly overboard, then again, there's going to be signs of a struggle. There's too many people on the boat and, and too few crew like they wouldn't have been throwing like one person overboard they would have been throwing a bunch of people overboard but if they mutinied well if the p if the crew mutinied the captain sure but how many crew were there six six crew how many non-crew were there two adults and two children two adults and two children that is not clean six people To two adults and two children. That's still four people who are going to make a mess. Like, I'm sorry, kids make a mess. If you're chasing a child around, which you would be, because kids are fucking fast, you'd be chasing a kid around trying to catch them. Even if one person could pick a kid up and chuck them in the water, there's no way four humans versus six is not going to leave some kind of trace. You know what else I think about? What else? What do pirates do other than murder? Rape? What else? Steal money? Steal. Steal, yeah. Oh, no, if everything was stolen on that ship. Nothing was stolen. Yeah, no, fuck that shit. Sorry. (laughs) Nothing was stolen on the ship. (laughs) So it couldn't be pirates. No, it's, I mean, one, by 1872, like, if this was 1812, I'd be like, yeah, sure, there's privateers left and right. 1872, it's not that there wasn't pirates, but there was a lot less pirates. There was not a lot of... (sighs) This was not the early 1800s. Things were... I mean, if you want to look at the golden age of pirates, it was not the year 1872. No. But they could have still been out there. There's a lot of could-haves. A lot lot of of could-haves. One of those... So pirates. Some people thought it was pirates. Okay. Another... Make for good romance novels. Yeah, why not? Get like some flowy shirt Seinfeld style. Fabio. Uh, the other <laughs> theory was that the crew was still alive, apparently. The Boston sure. Globe. These are all very like legit no, references. Legit. But I mean, this is also what? The 1870s. Correct. So sure. not a ton of time to establish uh, just credibility, I credibility. guess. I don't know. No, no, no. Um, it's fair. It's fair. It's fair. 
So the Boston Globe published an article in February, uh, on February 29th, and they hypothesized that the crew was still alive and out there somewhere, that they may have been picked up by a vessel going on a distant voyage, and maybe they just didn't have enough time to get to wherever they were going and no one heard back from them because they were on a boat going somewhere and hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. An optimistic approach. Too optimistic for my taste and too unrealistic for my taste. Uh, more assy, but you know. Eh, sure. But you know, at the same time, in the same article, there were hints on revenge somewhere in there. Sure. Uh, in the same article, they noted that there was some confusion on board, that there was presence of barrels of alcohol, that there was suspicion of outrage by the crew toward Briggs, maybe because they wanted to get wasted and did, and Briggs looked down upon it. I don't know. The sure. opportunities were endless. Sure. Or it's industrial-grade alcohol, and it'll kill you if you drink it. Well, like, Yeah, I don't recommend again, details. drinking that. It's not meant to be drank. Right, but that's a detail that not everybody necessarily knew at this point. It just was barrels of alcohol. It was alcohol. barrels of alcohol, and, and then, they're like, rum and rum we drink. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And no, so no, now there's fair, all these hypotheses of what could have happened. And this is a quote. It says, whether Tittles points to any act of violence and with what motive committed, why the vessel was left under sail in the apparent absence of either plunder or peril, why she was ever deserted at all is still an absolute mystery. That's how they ended that article. Hmm. On March 10th, the Madison, Wisconsin State Journal really went the most true crime scenario possible. Bless them. And they said, quote, conjectures in regard to the true causes of her abandonment are, of course, likely to be pretty fertile. <laughs> but the probable hypothesis is that for some reason the crew revolted, murdered the captain and his passengers, and then took to flight, carrying away with them nothing which might lead to their arrest and conviction. End quote. Sure. Blood. <laughs> Again. Blood. Blood. But also... Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, this yeah. is another theory. And then there was a new development, questioning the authenticity of said blood on the sword. Enter Winchester, mm -hmm. our friend. Our the Mary friend. Celeste's resident scully, if you will. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Winchester talked to the New York Tribune, telling them that after examining the ship himself, quote, there were no signs of blood either on the sails or the sword, as mentioned in the circular, the stains on the sails were from service and those on the sword from rust, end quote, yeah, yeah. and attributed, quote, the disappearance of Captain Briggs, his wife, child, and crew to the grounding of the vessel when, fearing to be lost, he abandoned her, end quote. Sure. So some theories. Now, years go on and pass, and people are still hypothesizing on what's going on. Uh, no one has ever heard from Briggs at this point, so now that theory of them being somewhere else is out the window, um, and conjecture prevails, and ah, yes, media. This media thing mm. was a thing. Good old media. Good old media. So this time period, we talked about this a bit, mm. late 1800s. What else was going on in the late 1800s? What else was it known for that we covered in a previous episode? Oh, I was going to say the Civil War, but that we covered in a previous episode. <laughs> spiritualism? Yes, spiritualism. <laughs> Otherworldly phenomena, if you mm. will. So people had lots of fun ideas mm -hmm. bouncing around in their brains, mm -hmm. right? 
Tis the season. Pair that with superstition of sailing, and you get this beautiful concoction, a perfect storm, if you will. Hmm. Uh, And guess who was involved in spiritualism and was a great writer during this time? I'll give you a hint. He did something about mysteries. Charles Dickens? (laughs) No. (laughs) It was about a detective? The Holmes? Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes. Who is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Motherfucker. Yes! yes! Sir Arthur Conan Doyle! Girl, yes! Our friend. Our, our is, he, friend. is he our friend? I heard he's I kind of a dick. I don't think he's our friend. He's kind of a dick. He's, he's kind totally of a, a dick. dick. <laughs> uh, but That's a whole other episode, folks. That is a whole other episode, yeah. But which we've already kind of briefly addressed at one point. But... In January 1884, he actually wrote a short story called, <laughs> the name I can't, J. Habakkuk Jeffson's Statement. Kim's favorite name. Yeah. Uh, it also makes me want to say, sidebar, I'm so inappropriate. Habakkuk? Do you have a cock, Jepson? I, you know, uh, I don't, and that's the problem. Of course, many people misconstrued this fictional short story to be an accurate depiction and retelling of the story of the ship that he titled Marie Celeste. Coincidence? Maybe. Intentional? Probably. So, (laughs) spoiler alert, if you haven't read J. Habakkuk's Jepson statement, I'm going to tell you what it's about right now. You've had... Please do. Over a century to read it. I, you know I'm what? not spoiling I have anything not for read you. It and I feel judged, but also it's on me for not having read it. To each their own. So, in this story, Habakkuk Jepson survives to tell what the story about what happened. Mm-hmm. He was the only survivor, sure. and he was kidnapped by a madman who killed the rest of the crew and took him to a strange island. Okay, hello, this is fiction. Um, But of course, people believed that he figured out the truth behind what happened to the Mary Celeste and that the story was actually nonfiction. Sure. Fun fact. fact. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story was one of many fictional renditions of the Mary Celeste. A lot of people took this story and used it as inspiration. It was ripe for opportunity for creative assumption, and writers jumped on it and readers ate it up. The only problem is a lot of the readers thought this was true, which then throws a nice old wrench in that telephone game that we were talking about earlier. How often, though, have we run into this? A lot. Like, like legitimately, it's, it's, it's to your point, it's a big game of telephone. How often have we run into an instance where history is here and a sensationalized version of what happened is, is here... You can't see my hands, but they are apart. <laughs> I'm describing what my hands look like right now. Um, and it is the, it's the difference between historical fact and mythology. And it's maddening, Gabby. It makes me crazy because... Okay, well, it's going to make you more crazy because there's more stories I have to tell you about okay, it. Okay, I just... Hmm, I'm having feelings... Because Kim has questions. Kim has questions. No, it's it's why like okay, people think I'm such an asshole about this, and I'm 
No, they do. They really do. And I'm not. It's that history is so interesting. Fact is really interesting. Fact does not need embellishment. But when you are taking the embellishment as fact, yes, you're right. That's when they become an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm. I, mm. Don't apologize. I feel the same way. You're, you're, see, I feel like I agree. You are like embracing your scully and I fucking love it. I think this is the most I've said fucking in an episode, but it's just, (laughs) it's perfect because we talk mainly about wood. So it's it's appropriate. It's it's appropriate. It's apropos. But it, it, but it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Yes. Yes. Well, in 1913. Oh God. The Strand magazine published an account that allegedly, allegedly, allegedly was told by the only survivor. There Apparently, was, this. Mm, hold on. I know. Hold, I know. Hold I'm on. So many hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a lot of restraint involved right now for me, Gabby. Keep going. The story was written by someone named. Mm, I'm gonna try to pronounce this. Mm. F is in Frank. O S D Y K. Fosdick. <laughs> Fosdick. We're gonna call him <laughs> Fosdick. Ah. Uh, <laughs> According um, to Fosdick's story, <laughs> the crew rigged a temporary platform on the ship to do a swimming contest. Everyone from the ship was conveniently on said platform, except our friend Fosdick. When the platform collapsed, everyone fell into the ocean and was eaten by sharks, except for Fosdick. Welcome to the rendition of Kim's Got Questions. What questions does Kim have? I don't even know where to start. Oh, my God. Okay. Do you need Mm. help? I can help you. I... mm. Gabby. 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 What are your questions, Kim? I just... I just... Hmm... Sharks. <laughs> My question is, why are they having a swimming contest I, I, in shark-infested waters? Nobody, because no, 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 no. Kim is so mad right now. Gabby, I have questions. I have another one. Okay. I think it might be one you might have. Do you want to go first? I, um, you, you go. I'm going to sip my... Beverage. Whiskey. Um, allegedly. How, <laughs> allegedly, it's whiskey. <laughs> why did Fosdick, or not why, how did how? Fosdick how? get no. back how? if how? he was the only one how on the ship? How is the question? How is the question? How? No. Okay. Here. Mm. Okay. We're going to do this. Let's we're going to do this. No. Do we're going to do this because there was how many lifeboats on this fucker? One Appar- allegedly. Allegedly. What we owe Kenny, like I swear, every time we say allegedly, we need to pay him like a quarter. <laughs> Kenny's got quarters. Kenny's got quarters. That's his royalty fee for the amount of times we're using allegedly this episode. Allegedly. Okay. One mother effing lifeboat. I'm trying to be good. I feel like I've sworn more this episode than I normally swear. I try to keep some kind of eye on my swearing, at least in this, not in the life. Um it's too much scullying. You it's, have to do no, it. No, scullying makes me swear. I, I, I swear. Scullying? I swear. One lifeboat. <laughs> also, okay, let's... Mm, mm. 
There's just a lot. It, is it's he not realistic. The, is he on the roster? So, is he on the roster? Is he a crew member? Is it, mm. so Gabby, clearly, clearly, per Kim's observations, the story was full of holes and errors. Clearly, yeah, I, that's nicer than the words I would have used, but let's use them. But people like to listen to and believe whatever they're told, especially newspaper editors who spread that story far and wide, calling it, quote, the true solution of the mystery of the Marie Celeste, which is what this story was called. So you're going to put the title in the title. It's going to say the true solution, and then you're going to lie. Okay, cool. So after the publication in The Strand, they went and took it a step further. They asked their readers to send in their solutions on what they thought happened to the Mary Celeste. But again, this is not the year. This is what year again? This is in 1913. Yeah. So this is like 30 years later, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay. Just double check. Time has passed. Brain space. Time has passed. Yes. Time has passed. And an appropriate amount of time has passed where nobody's going to question anything that's said. Correct. Does that make sense? But also there's not a lot of evidence. 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 To, to support right. anything. But this is a time period in which people say things. And I feel like we've covered a number of episodes around the, the, I, I, the Jersey Devil is what keeps coming to my mind, actually, mm-hmm. where you had like some of the origin story. But then when the story took off, but it, it, it had nothing to do with the origin story. This is a period of time in which people liked to talk. And oh, yeah. And people believed everything. And create sensationalism. And you yeah. didn't have Dr. Google to tell you. Correct. What was right or wrong? Exactly. Exactly. And then it perpetrates the story going even further and changing and shifting and molding and telephone, right? Every so So, often. Can I say this? Every so often, I want to time travel just to scully (laughs) everything. And we don't have to time travel to scully. We can scully everything now. But I want to scully in like real time, but then I would probably be burned as a witch. Correct. You wouldn't last I might long. get burned as a witch even today, so it's fine. Anyway. Re- statement redacted. Uh, now, they asked for letters from readers, right? So they want people to tell them, what do you think happened? So allegedly, allegedly, a Mr. A. Howard Linford, he was a headmaster of Petersborough Lodge in England, wrote a letter saying that he had an old servant named Abel Fosdick, who, on his deathbed, gave Linford three boxes containing papers allegedly Allegedly. about about the account of the Mary Celeste. Linford thought that he was talking about a woman, not a ship, so he was like, just put these boxes away. He's got, like, love letters to a lady. Not thinking much about them. So... Then he writes into the strand after reading this article and the story saying, oh, my gosh, it wasn't a woman. It was a ship. So the strand then considered this to be evidence, evidence, evidence that Abel Fosdick was the Fosdick survivor of the Mary Celeste and that his story cleared up the then 42 year old mystery. I already know how you feel about this. We don't need to get into it. Uh, there was no Fosdick on the initial roster. Therefore, Fosdick is just a dick. Um, I mean, he was punished from birth with this last name. 
true. I could just also be mispronouncing it and punished by me mispronouncing no, things. you're not. This is how all his right. name is going to be pronounced always. Always. Now, I know you want to talk about the fantastic theories. I know I want to talk about. My Mulder wants to talk about the fantastic theories. I will start off by saying I'm so mad that not one of them is aliens. I was gonna say, First I'm, and foremost. I, I, I am kind of curious in this whole shenanigans. Um, are any of these theories, my Mulder, are any of these theories ones that you actually put any merit to? We're going to get to one. Okay. Cool. No, no, no. That's, it's, it's, yes. it's, yes, yes. From, from that are Mulder theories and not Skulder theories. That I are, think wait, that, wait, wait, wait. That are Mulder theories and not Scully theories. I think that the ones that I believe in are Skulder theories and a little <laughs> bit of both. <laughs> so that's, we're going like to get to Skulder. and Scully make a baby, which they did. <laughs> nope. But in this episode, they will. So. Didn't they make a Mulder. baby? They did, but not like. That was like, that was the X-Files I wanted to see that they never fucking showed us because apparently it was like alien inseminated. For those of you that don't watch X-Files, I ruined it for you. You've had time to watch it. It's your fault you don't know this. I think I just read too much fan fiction. That's fine. I like fan fiction too. It's fine. You're good. Okay. Anyway, fantastic theories. In 1904... The, a publication suggested that the entire ship's crew was picked off by a giant squid. That's one. Uh, can I just endorse this theory? And this is the theory I love the most. Ooh, yes, please. I love giant squids. They're the best. <laughs> giant squids. No, giant squids. Okay. No. Okay. But wouldn't giant there be a bunch of ruckus? <gasps> no. Why would they take their navigation stuff? Because they're so okay, no, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on this theory that I'm making up on the spot, my friends. Okay, here's what happened. So everybody abandoned ship because they saw the giant squid and they freaked the fuck out and they went into the lifeboat and they're like row 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 in your boat and the giant squid's like ooh appetizers and in its giant squidness like just took everybody out of the boat and was like mm, delicious and then just crushed the boat for funsies. Gabby, Kim's it's theory. What, it's what happened. <clears throat> It checks. I'm not I, gonna love, lie. I love. It could happen. I love. I love giant squid. I think they're so fucking cool. This makes me happy. This I is a molder moment I that you're embracing. Oh, no. Well, giant squid are real though. I know. This is not like, me. Like my, this is giant squid are the best things ever outside of giant octopus, which are also the best things ever. Listen, I love sea creatures, and if a sea creature killed you. I would die happily by a sea creature because they're awesome. Fair. Thank you. So that's one. Another one is that the ship encountered a psychic attack. Okay. Either, wait, hold on. God, Kim already has questions. (gasps) Either from the Great Pyramid of Giza or the Bermuda Triangle, and before you say no, these people My face is saying it. My face is saying no, Gabby. (laughs) These people thought that psychic places could use their power from a distance. No. Okay, now you can say no. no. There you go. Okay, I'm there not it is. Even, listen, I'm not even going to scully that. I'm just going to say no. I already knew you were going to say no, and I put it in my notes. Hashtag okay, you can say no Kim now. says no. <laughs> With so three then also, O's. No. I'm going to put that down. Yeah, make note of that, because anything else would do me a disservice. Kim says, <laughs> no. Kim Done. Says no. 
No. It's now, there not was even also, worth, no. It's not, no. No. Okay, moving on. Uh, there was also an idea that there was a water spout traveling across the sea. I've read this one, that, yeah. That affected the ship's instruments and made Briggs think the ship was sinking. Sure. And in reality, it was fine, but sure. it fl- freaked him out. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that's, I... That's valid. It, yeah, it's, it's valid. I don't think it's what happened, but I It's do a not, potential it, option. I, I would not be like, ha, to anyone who was like, I think this is what happened. And also, like, they, people, they, suggest that a faulty instrument would also cause Briggs to evacuate from something like this that's like saying that he's taking on more water than the ship can handle. But others point out that he was an experienced captain and... He would have needed sufficient evidence, evidence evidence, to prove that abandonment was the best option. So that, that's also one that's debatable. And others think that there may have been a sea quake, which is also a thing, which could have damaged cargo and caused deadly fumes to escape. Eh, that's a stretch to me, but that's, that's just me. Now, at the same time that all this is happening, time is going by. In the 30s, our friend Bella Lugosi... <gasps> Bella Lugosi starred in a film about the Mary Celeste. Fun fact. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah. What's the name it's of the called film? It's called The I'm Mystery watching. of the Mary Celeste. Girl, I'm going to watch this for 100 Days of Horror. Holy Do shit. It. The Mystery of the he Mary plays, Celeste. Yeah, and he plays a homicidal sailor. Uh, I love and him so much. I think that like the, the hypothesis is that he may have been drawn from the two German brothers. Volkert and Boy Lorenzen. And uh, they also were felt, they fell under suspicion for being people who might have mutinied, um, but because none of their possessions were found aboard. But apparently, the reason why none of their possessions were found aboard was because they didn't have any possessions. Um, so there was that. Um, a Lorenzen descendant actually uh, pointed out that they had lost all their gear in a previous shipwreck in 1872. So, fun fact. The movie is known as The Phantom Ship more commonly, and it came out in 1935 for those who might want to look for it. We'll talk about it on a Creepy Critics Corner in the future, I'm sure. Oh, I am watching this shit. I know you will. Now, that's those are a handful of theories. Now, here's where we get to Skulder. Um, Skulder happens closer to modern times. So in 2002, uh, Anne McGregor, was a, was, she's around. She's a documentarian who launched an investigation and wrote, directed, and produced the true story of the Mary Celeste, which also uh, actually had funding from Smithsonian Networks, which is kind of cool. Sidebar, sad day. I tried to find it. I could not find it anywhere to watch. I was looking it up and it's just like unavailable everywhere. So Anne McGregor did this uh, documentary. She's done a bunch of other ones, too. Um, She had some other theories. And instead of approaching it about, like, what could have happened, she approached it by what didn't happen. What could not have happened? What can we disprove first and then look at what could have potentially actually happened? Which I respect. That's a a great approach. So she figured that if she could determine the, the precise place where Briggs, his family, the crew had actually abandoned ship she might be able to understand why they abandoned ship. So 
She knew from transcriptions of the Mary Celeste log slate that the ship was six miles from and within sight of the Azores Island of Santa Maria on November 25th. I know I mentioned that earlier. She knew from the testimony of the De Gracia crew that 10 days later, the ship was about 400 miles east of the island. So it moved. So she also then looked up water temperatures. This is where I'm getting into weather. So she looked up water temperatures, wind speeds, and wind directions at the time. She actually found it in the International Comprehensive Ocean Atmosphere data set. Say that 10 times fast. It's actually a database that stores global marine information from 1784 to 2007 and is used to study climate change, which is kind of interesting. So she went straight to those hard facts. Uh, And this would then... Hard facts. uh, Hard facts. So by looking all this up, it would determine um, that the Mary Celeste actually would have drifted from where it was uh, recorded on November 25th to where the DeGracia crew reported finding it on December 5th on its own. Without crew on it, it just drifted, basically sailed itself from those two points. And she also pointed out that a captain would only really likely order a ship to be abandoned if land was within sight. Like there's, it's not a smart move to just abandon ship in the middle of nowhere unless it was really bad. And since Santa Maria was the last land for hundreds of miles, it seemed for her safe to assume that the Mary Celeste had been abandoned the morning of November 25th after the last entry was written in the log. So interesting. Some some fun facts thrown fun out there facts, that are new. Yeah, these are these are new fun facts with technology, which is kind of cool. Based on the attorney general, our our friend uh, Solly Flood, based on his notes, he didn't see anything unusual about the voyage until the last five days of the voyage. So that's why uh, he actually transcribed the ship's log starting five days from the end for his um, investigation. And at the time, Briggs was actually about 120 miles west of where he actually thought he was. So he wasn't where he thought he was. And that's probably because of an inaccurate chronometer. So by the captain's calculations, he actually should have sighted land three days earlier than he did. So if you're thinking about that, it would make more sense about why they would have abandoned ship. Because if you thought he was closer to land, abandoning ship would make more sense. And wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. They could have gotten to this land easily. But then it brings us back to the question of why. Like, why would you even want to abandon ship? Something must have happened. To cause the ship to want to be abandoned, right? Which you are going to talk about because I have my own thoughts on it. Yes, but I'm still on McGregor, on, you on are. our friend. You are. So she learned that on uh, the Mary Celeste's previous voyage, it actually carried a bunch of coal and that the ship had recently uh, been refitted. And there was a lot of coal dust, a lot of construction debris that could have clogged up some of the ship's pumps, sure. which would explain why a pump was disassembled Absolutely. when it was found on the Mary Celeste. Mm-hmm. And so with an inoperative pump, Briggs wouldn't know how much seawater they actually had on board, meaning he could have thought that they had more water on board than they actually did, mm-hmm. which could have then caused him to want to abandon ship because they, he thought the ship was sinking mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he didn't have an accurate pump. So like, I don't know to me that checks like that makes a lot of sense. It also just makes me think it's a very, uh, 
unfortunate pattern of events that happened and were inaccurate based on his findings. So, like, even though he was a very experienced person, Mm -hmm. the things, doesn't matter how experienced you are, the equipment that you're using, the ship that you're on, if it's not functional the way you want it to be functional, no matter how experienced you are, it's not going to serve you well, right? Like. So I'm just going to put my stamp on that theory right now and tell you I think that it's that, but there is another theory. Um, And this last theory that I will get into is from 2006, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was in an article titled Solved, the Mystery of the Mary Celeste. And I think you're going to, you wanted to talk about this one, so I'm going to get into it a little bit. this, This lines up with a little bit of what I think happened to the ship. Yes. And it also is a very good option, yes. honestly. Yes. Um, so the cause of the abandonment in this article was the explosive cargo mm-hmm. um, and a potential leak that could have caused the crew to go into a panic and abandon ship. Mm-hmm. But again, there was no sign of fire, so sure. why would they abandon ship sure. and not go back if there wasn't a fire? So absolutely. Because fire at sea is terrifying. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. So 21st century scientific techniques have been developed. Yay. So we're going to try to solve this mystery. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> so there is this dude. His name is Dr. Andrea Sella at UCL and did a Channel 5 documentary mm-hmm. and did an experiment. And he wanted to prove that an explosion might have, in fact, caused Briggs to abandon ship. Sure. So what did he do? Mm-hmm. He built a replica of the hold of the Mary Celeste and using butane gas, not ethanol, but butane gas, he emulated an explosion caused by leaking alcohol from the ship's cargo. Now, in order to replicate the cargo, he used cubes of paper instead of wooden barrels and he lit the gas on fire, Mm -hmm. which then caused a huge blast sending a ball of flame upwards. Sure. Now, what's wild is that neither the paper cubes nor the replica were damaged in any way. No burns, no blackening, no damage whatsoever. And this is a direct quote from him. He said, quote, what we created was a pressure wave type of explosion. There was a spectacular wave of flame, but behind it was relatively cool air. No soot was left behind and there was no burning or scorching. Given all the facts we have, this replicates conditions on board the Mary Celeste. The explosion would have been enough to blow up the hatches and would have been completely terrifying for everyone on board. It is the most compelling explanation. Of all those suggested, it fits the facts best and explains why they were so keen to get off the ship, end quote. So white oak, which is what was used for... The barrels. Most of the barrels, not mm-hmm. all of the barrels. Uh, white oak has, um, I don't know the uh, right word I'm looking for, but the... the um, Density? They're watertight. Oh, yeah. It's why white oak is often used in wine barrels mm-hmm. to hold liquid. But not every single barrel was white oak. Right. There were those, what, nine? Mm-hmm. Red that oak. were red oak. Red oak is not usually used for liquids. Um, it is usually used for dry goods and should so hypothetically, be used for dry goods because it can, it is not as porous. It can leak the... Right. Yeah. 
So it, it, it's one of the reasons why this is a theory that I personally look at and be like, yeah, because also um, the impact of that moment would have been intimidating and severe and scary. And you would have And you could think bad things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. We need to get off the ship, which explains you grab what you think you're going to need. Again, navigation devices. Mm-hmm. And why the lifeboat wasn't there. Because when people talk about mutiny, I'm like, yeah, sure, the crew could have used a lifeboat. But, again, there's no signs of a struggle. And, like, in the initial conversations about the people who were part of his crew, he had a good relationships with them, too. So He like, did. There, this wasn't an instance where people were like, we are being treated poorly. And, again, right. alcohol, it, alcohol vapor is heavier than air. So if I was going to, like, try to vent it or whatever, that that's not going to work. For me, I've always looked at the, the alcohol theory, this idea that something happened, this explosion that, that startled people into abandoning ship very suddenly. For me, has always been the, the most likely scenario. Mm-hmm. I'm open to other... I am open to other evidence. 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 Uh, telling me otherwise. But uh, from the, the times I've looked into this myself, from episodes I've listened to, I've always kind of um, leaned towards... Uh, because ethanol vapors also are, are a really specific type of alcohol vapor. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't burn the same way so it wouldn't have left that kind of impression, that kind of mark. You're not going to see scorch marks anywhere. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I love science and I being able to do science. an experiment I'm not a scientist like at now. all, but I oh, love that either. we can recreate these things. Yeah. So, like, honestly, I, I believe in that, too. Mm-hmm. I, I could go either way. I think the last two are totally potential options for oh, things that happen. Absolutely. And it makes sense for people to want to hypothesize back in the day when they didn't have the ability to do testing like this oh, and sure, understand. Sure, sure, sure. This would be, ter- why this that would be terrifying back in the for day. For sure. Also mm-hmm. a fun story, which clearly people capitalize. A, a fun on. and weird story. I it's one of those things though that like as time has passed and we we're able to look at a situation and process it with a little bit more scully. I think there's a few very reasonable, rational, natural explanations for what happened. Not supernatural. This Although from, I want it to be supernatural. I, I want would, it to be a but, freaking but, alien. But here's the thing. We have other things I look at and I'm like, I can't explain this shit. This is not one of those times. I think there's a lot of very rational explanations that can be used to look at this case and explain this case. So Kim wants to say it's a solved mystery, not an unsolved mystery. Well, solved the same way that Dyatlov Pass is solved, and that I think there's things we can look at and say there are rational reasons this could have happened. As Mm -hmm. much as it's fun to point to supernatural reasons, I don't think this Dyatlov, a few other of our quote-unquote unsolved cases, uh, I think these are ones you can look at and say, listen, I can find reasons why this went down the way it went down that are not aliens they're not ghosts that are not other supernatural entities fair it, it does not dispel my love of such things it just means that 
I don't want to look at natural explanations, try to find a supernatural explanation, because to me that does a disservice for times when I can't explain things. Fair. Scully's got a scully. It's why Scully has a scully. Scully's scully because scully. we believe so. <laughs> no, because we believe so hard. I think that's, that's the thing true. people don't appreciate. The scullies among us, we scully because we believe so hard. We don't want anything that has a rational explanation to take away from the moments where we can't explain it. But That's if, very fair. If I look at everything and say it's supernatural, nobody believes anything I say. That's also valid. Mm-hmm. I scully hard because I believe just as hard. And I want to believe. And I want to believe, too. I really do. So, and I've experienced weird shit. We both have, I know. We both have. And that's part of it. Yeah. And as Arthur Conan Doyle put it, quote, in the utter absence of a clue or grain of evidence, it is to be feared that the fate of the crew of the Mary Celeste will be added to those numerous mysteries of the deep, which will never be solved until the great day when the sea shall give up its dead, end quote. Although Kim begs to differ. (laughs) No comment. (laughs) No comment. And that is the Mary Celeste folks. Um, Quite a topic for deliberation, for, uh, you know, ideas of what could have happened. I think we gave you multiple options, Mm -hmm. some fun ones, some scientific ones. And absolutely tell us your own thoughts on the subject. Please. Please do. Tell us what you think. Even when sometimes I'm getting a smackdown for sculling too much. And this brings us to... Creepy Critics Corner! Creepy Critics Corner! Ken, what you watching? Uh, well, I will say, before I dive into the things I've been watching, uh, I went and saw some live theater. Oh, you did? I did. I was given by a friend of mine who has uh, season tickets to the Paramount Theater in Seattle, uh, tickets to go see The Band's Visit, which Mm -hmm. I saw on Broadway a couple years ago, pre-COVID. And I love this show so much. And it's a lot of the same cast. And the opportunity to go see the show again. This is not in any way a supernatural show. It's based off of a movie. And it's this beautiful story. It's I had feelings. Oh. Yeah, I hate feelings. And I still had feelings. It's it's really lovely. The music is gorgeous. It's stunning. It won the Tony Award for Best Show, I believe, the year it was nominated. I, I'm going to give it a shout out. It's it's not supernatural in any way. It's this beautiful, heartfelt, sweet. I mean, when do I talk about No, but, but I, I want to preface that because most, this is not, this is, this is theater Kim talking right now and not like the Kim most of you understand and realize and know. Um, it's a beautiful show and seeing it again live uh, just reinforce that. If you have an opportunity, if you are, you don't even have to be a musical theater fan, but it's a really beautiful show and I highly recommend it. That being said, I've watched a lot of horror recently. I've been nice. catching up on some things. I watched a lot of what we'd call it's fine horror <laughs> lately. Like nothing I'm recommending is even like movies. I'd say these are not life changing movies, but I've, I've watched a lot of horror the last couple weeks weeks um, that have been fun. 
Mm-hmm. I watched a movie called The Deep House. Now, I am an unapologetic found footage human. I, I, Gabby, I'm going to say this. I fucking love found footage films. I know. I fucking love found footage movies. And not everybody does. I have been a fan. I saw the Blair Witch Project in theaters because I'm that many years old. Um, I've always loved found footage movies. Uh, even before it was really a, a thing, although again, arguably the Blair Witch Project is when it sort of became like national consciousness. Um, the Deep House is not life changing, but it's entertaining. It reminded me going into it very much of a movie called uh, As Above, So Below. Oh, I love that movie. I loved that movie. This movie is reminiscent of it. It's not as good. The two leads are really obnoxious. The guy's a dick, and the woman's kind of annoying. <laughs> But you Wonderful. hit a, But it's underwater. The premise of it is is they're in France and and this dude has like a YouTube station and they like to find weird things and they go into this house that's supposed to be undisturbed underwater. So you have a very similar kind of claustrophobia that you have when you're dealing with them as above so below has that claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. The descent is one I think of that has that very firm claustrophobia. It's very silly. Again, the lead characters are not super likable, but was I entertained the entire time? Absolutely. Nice. Uh, so, so in that respect, you will be entertained. You might hate the people, but you're entertained. I also watched a movie called Hellbender. Ooh. I really liked Hellbender. Uh, it, it was a very low budget movie uh, about a, a a, a daughter and her mother who live kind of in seclusion. And I, my understanding is it was filmed during the pandemic and the daughter is kind of realizing like, you know, she wants to explore the world a little bit, but she realizes that her and her mother are, are some kind of supernatural creatures. Ooh. It's, it's interesting. It's different. It has some cool music. It's a little bit drug trippy. Um, I liked it. I, I I watched a couple days ago. I was I was surprised by it. I genuinely enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a chance to watch again some some strong female characters and some cool trippy filmmaking. Is it reinventing the wheel? No. Is it something that I could say I've never seen before? No. But did I enjoy myself? Absolutely. Nice. So I'm watching a lot of that where I'm like, this isn't necessarily new or different or unusual, but I'm enjoying it and I appreciate the effort behind it. That's how I feel about reality TV. (laughs) Which is fair. I think I feel similarly about bad horror films. (laughs) Amen. Although I did watch the second season of Tiger King. Oh my gosh, I have to watch it still. No, you don't. Here's the thing. You don't. It's awful. Okay, then I won't watch it's, it. It's it's whole. It's so obviously a cash grab. It's poorly structured. It made me angry. It also made me just want to. I think I was texting you about this. I'm like, this makes me want to troll Joe Exotic. I think I might write him a letter and see if he writes back because I think he will. Yeah, but that's opening up a whole Pandora's box. I'm fine with it. All right. What you been watching, girl? I've just been talking a lot. Uh, I haven't been watching a whole lot of anything other than the one thing I have been waiting for for two years. Is it the love is blind thing? 
No, it's okay. the new season of Outlander. Um, I forgot you watch that. <laughs> I love Outlander. <laughs> I got so into Outlander in 2020. I watched all five seasons of it just like straight. I probably talked about it in Creepy Critics Corner. Actually, I know I talked about it in Creepy Critics Corner a long time ago. And I'm so stoked. Can, can I admit something? Yes. Every time people talk about Outlander, I have a moment where I say to myself, and, and my children of the corn fans will know this, Outlander, we have your woman! Because, like, Malachi, is it Malachi? Yeah, the, the, the redhead kid is rocking through the streets in Children of the Corn with the girl, and he's like, Outlander! We have your woman. <laughs> Is it just me that thinks that? It might just I don't be me. think that because I haven't seen that movie. I need Girl, to see that movie. Have you never seen Children of the Corn? No, I need to Shit. see it. I have no. I know. Anyway, sorry. Outlander season whatever. Six. six. Season six. It's been on hold because of COVID. Like they were sure. planning on filming it in 2020, and then and obviously then the world happened. Yeah, the world. Um, but it's just. I mean. There's a lot that happened in the first episode that felt unnecessary and all and honestly, like just lots of like sexy time that was just overtly like ridiculous. Yep. Um, and uh, anyway, it's great. I love that show. I can't talk more highly about it, but um, I just it's funny because every time I watch it, the song that plays in the beginning is just my my husband sings it. And it's very funny when he sings it. And so I can't take it seriously anytime I see it. So the, <laughs> it's just, you know, inside jokes with your your partner is a good time. So it's anyway, good you have uh, I still have to. Yeah, I still have to watch season one, episode two that came out last last night, night before last. I just have had no time. Um, but I did do. If we're talking about live experiences, I did go see our friend Betsy Sodaro do you improv last did. night with our friend Kenny, who was on our Kenny. podcast. And it was very funny and a good time uh, because I'm currently in Los Angeles uh, visiting family and friends for one of my friends who's getting married soon mm -hmm. and figured I would go to my first comedy show in a very long time. Long time. Um, <laughs> So did that. That was very fun. It was really great to see her in her element and just mm. lots of dick jokes. It was great. Um, you know I approve. <laughs> uh, perfect. It's a nice way to close out this episode, knowing about how much wood we talked about in the beginning. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. It was a good old time uh, and curious to see what your thoughts are. So let us know. Check us out on any of our social medias and our website is ghoulishtendencies.com. All of our social meds, all of our Patreon stuff, everything is on there for you to check out. If you like what you hear, follow us on our Instagram, on our um Twitter on all the other things that we have, but also specifically head on over to Apple podcasts and Spotify for a rating and review. If you haven't done one yet, we really appreciate mm -hmm. it. And, uh, we look forward to providing you with new and, uh, some exciting content on the Patreon upcoming as we are planning that out for this year. So if you want to support us financially, head on over to Patreon and find us at ghoulish tendencies podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And Stay spooky! <laughs>